Hey, it's Heike, and welcome to all the new listeners to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Subscribe so you do not miss out on any episodes coming your way, in particular today. Love is in the air. It's the month of February, and we are just right around Valentine's Day. And our guest today, Dr. Juliana Hauser, is sharing with us all about sex. We talk about how to bring the sexy spark into your your relationship. We talk about sensuality and why pleasure is important and why kissing and flirting and other things are the gateway to more pleasure and satisfaction in your life. But before we dive in, I want to let you know about the Empty Nest Reboot Program for Women Over 50. Did you know that Pilates and intermittent fasting combined is the most effective way to lose body fat and supercharge your energy? Find out in the Emptiness Reboot how you stop feeling overwhelmed, fit exercise into your day easily, cook and prepare delicious meals without spending hours in the kitchen that are ideal for a woman past or in menopause, and also increase your self-confidence to do the things you love doing with vibrancy. So with that, we leave a link in the show notes for you, and let's dive into our feature content with Dr. Juliana Hauser. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable, so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst their best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark excited you're here. It's the perfect month. It's February and we have the perfect guest for you who may talk about chocolate and flowers, but this is not our main topic. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Juliana Hauser, which is a licensed, licensed marriage and family therapist and a counselor with a PhD in counseling education. She helps women rethink sex, reimagine sexuality and pleasure, define their own sexuality, and reignite their sexy spark in long-term relationships, also maybe after divorce or, or death. Juliana loves witnessing and supporting her two children as they evolve and grow. And I have to tell you, I just got really nervous talking or introducing <laughs> you because I know what we're going to talk about, some good stuff. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. So we're talking, as you guys heard from the intro, we're talking about sex and we are not hiding behind the bush. And the first question I want to ask is, 
which we just talked a little bit before we started the interview is why is there so much shame talking about sex openly from your point of view and your experience? Mm-hmm. You know, there, I think there is a number of whys, but when we do more of a, of a bird's eye view of it, I think it's just been one of those topics that over generations and thousands of years, we have made sex something that is different other than, and it is a representation of so many things, of values, of religion, of socialization. And it has become something that because we all have it in common, it is one of the most divisive parts of who we are as humans. So it should be something that brings us all together because we all have two things. We all have a body and we all have sexuality. But because we all have it, then we all think, not we, but I think in general, it becomes something that people think they know the right kind of sexuality, which means that there's a wrong kind of sexuality. And when you can put something, when you can bifurcate a part of humanity like that, then I think it becomes something that becomes really divisive, unfortunately. And when it's divisive and you know that there's a right and a wrong, no one ever thinks they have the right or or they think they know what's right, but they're not sure what they're doing is right. And uh, and then we become afraid. We bec- become afraid to say what we're doing is the wrong kind or we're going to be judged or shamed for it or what we, we think what we're doing is wrong. Because mm-hmm. I go back to when I'm German and when I came to the States and oftentimes it's the shame about our own bodies in the locker rooms. The women would all cover up with towels and I would just strut around naked, you know, flabby butt and all. And I was like, why are they all covering up? And women got dressed underneath their towels. And I still, I mean, been here for 35 years in the States and women, women still do that. And I'm always wondering why are we so ashamed of our bodies? I, I know, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, I had one of my first really freeing experiences with my body in Germany. It was in Baden Baden, like in a bathhouse. And it was uh, a naked day that the both genders uh, at the time it was just two genders were um, uh, everyone was naked. And then we'd meet in the middle of the beginning of it. And I couldn't speak German and I couldn't understand what they were saying, but they they were telling me like through just through language uh, through their hands that that you to get naked at the locker room and walk through that door, and I'm ever thinking, please make that not be the gift the gift room, like please like make that not be like this gift shop and this and uh, and then feeling and, and looking at me like you American you like why are all of you Americans so afraid of your body and and like get over it get like just it's not even it's and that was years ago that's that's over over 40 years ago 30 30 years ago and um and so so why do we feel that way I think it goes back to as well that we aren't given a lot of role models and I think women in particular are not given tons of role models as to how to feel comfortable with your body. We hear a whole lot from the women uh, that are raising us or around us as we're being raised that are self-critical of their own body. I think it becomes part of that socializing as a woman is to criticize your own body. It just becomes, it's the polite thing to do almost to, to, to not be proud of your body. And a woman who's proud of her body is offensive sometimes to other women. I think that's changing more, but it's still hard. And so when you don't have role models and we have positive acceptance of your body 
and um, and then you aren't socialized for that to be acceptable, it makes it really difficult to actually feel it. And I do think there's different standards for those who are identified as women um, as to how we are supposed to age with our bodies and how we're supposed to accept it. Uh, I have this course called Awaken, and we were doing when I was doing this with another colleague. We're looking at research as to like what what do you need? Is it because there are times that I felt like I, I don't love the word body image. I I feel like it's this. I understand the ideal of it, but I don't know how to get to it. How do we love our body? Um, it just saying it over and over again didn't work for me. It didn't make me love my body. In fact, it made me feel worse that I couldn't sit there and feel like I loved my body. So what we actually found was what makes the bigger difference is having body compassion. And again, we're not really taught about body, like just feeling compassion for what our body has been through, feeling compassion for what um, our body has served us for and why uh, makes a big difference of feeling comfortable in our own skin, literally. I love that. This is a way better way to look at it because I feel like that we're taught, look in the mirror and tell yourself you love your boobs, you love your butt. And you go, okay, I'm standing there. I feel like an idiot first off, and I'm really not feeling that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like you described, and I, I think that the, the compassionate is a way better way to go also for health in general. Like everybody wants to lose weight. Everybody wants to lose body fat and whatever. They go to perky boobs. And it's it's not, or like you just said too, it's slowly getting into, let's talk about health. Let's talk about a, the well-being around that person. Mm-hmm. So what people come to you for help? I have a wide, wide range of people who come to me and why they come to me. Uh, But if we're sticking the topic of of sex and sexuality and speaking mostly about those who identify as women, the common denominator is a transition. So it is uh, a woman who is divorced and uh, trying to figure out what that means and who is she post-divorce and her identity and what she's wanting uh, when she's starting to date again. It's somebody who is um, probably going through menopause or has been through menopause and what does this mean um, to who she is and how her body has changed and what her sexuality has been. Uh, when it's very specifically about sex and sexuality is typically somebody who is having not having this, the relationship with her sexuality that she wants or if she's partnered that their relationship uh, sexually isn't what they're wanting to have, um, or uh, she doesn't have a relationship with desire or libido that she wants, or she's having pain uh, during intercourse. I, I do see a wide range beyond all of that, but that's pretty, that's in keeping to the, the lane, uh, That that's a lot of what I'm seeing. Yeah, I can see that. You know, as, as our group is women 50 and I'm going to be 61 this year, uh, 62, excuse me, 62 this year, uh, I can relate to what also sexual intercourse that is painful. And all we were saying, oh, try lubricants, try hormone replacement, try whatever herb to make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes these things just don't work or you go to physical therapy and get uh uh, floor, uh, public floor therapy and things like that and that may work but that doesn't may not work either mm-hmm. um, so we f- I don't think we feel sexy then when we are as we're I'm going to get air quotes we're dried up down there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so now we're dried up our sex drive is going down because of the hormone changes 
So then we're like, we can't, another air quote, serve our partner the mm-hmm. same sexual desire that we had. What are we going to do? So let's assume scenario. We're in that phase. We still have kids at home because some parents are now older parents. Mm-hmm. And you have all the scenario going on. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, you hit several places that are the great starting points. And that is to check in just physically, to have support physically. But it's not just as simple as getting um a doctor. You really want to be have discernment of the kind of doctor that you're looking for. And so I really work with people of how to advocate for yourself. And I and I and I, I practice what I preach. If I'm working with a new physician, I will say in the very first appointment, do you care about my sexual health? And I judge if I'm going to go back based on how they respond to that. Uh, and I have some that are horrified, like, nope, if that, if that question alone is hard for you to answer, then that is not who is going to help me to open up to the hard questions and, and isn't going to care about um, helping me problem solve because it's never just one thing. When someone is having a difficult time in their sexual life, it's just, it's just rare that it's one thing. So I need someone to be a problem solver with me. So asking, do you care about my sexual health? If they laugh, that's fine. Like if it's, if, you know, if there's an embarrassment, I'll, I'll ask some follow-up questions. And if they're like, absolutely, I care. Let's talk about it. Then I know that we're going to be buddies and that we're in this together. So that's one thing. And then I, I like it when um, the, the, I have a medical team that is not just one person, that there are multiple people that they know that they can refer to, they can talk to. Um, and, and if they have that at their disposal, that's something that's easy for them to either research on their own or that they can ask other people that I'm going to stick with them too. So, so it's, I, I want you to seek uh, medical help, but I want you to seek the right kind of person who's going to be sex positive, sex affirming, and isn't afraid themselves. Because one of the things I, I know, because I, wor- I work with medical schools too, is that our, the, the medical community in general are given zero classes on sexuality and sexual health. Even those who specialize in OBGYNs are rarely given any kind of guidance on how to speak to somebody about sexual matters. Um, beyond the prescriptive of it. So if you want that. Uh, and then uh, pelvic floor therapists, I think they are incredible across the board. They, um, not only are they working so much on our physical health, but they are trained in a way of, an, of what I call agency. So they are trained to help their patients have agency over their experience, which is incredibly healing and powerful. And I have seen, although that physically what they're doing is really powerful, I have seen uh, my clients get even more healing from the way that they're being treated in their sessions, even more so than what they're physically um, doing with them. Uh, Because it's the first time someone is letting them be in charge of their own sexual health and it's someone who's in it with them. And that alone is, is a different and corrective experience. Then there's the psychological aspect of it that everyone is having to, to, to go and we are walking into our menopausal years for a lot of us with some kinds of baggage, relationship baggage, how we feel about our body baggage, the way that society doesn't allow us to age in a sexy way uh, and an affirming way. We have all of that. And if we're partnered, our partner's going to have all of those things too. And we're just magically supposed to have great sex you know, after all that. Uh, because, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with, I work with a lot of couples too, their uh, desire, pain, 
And um, having everything work together has so much to do with how the relationship outside of sexual context is, is going to. Uh, and, you know, while we're aging, we're talking about drying and pain during intercourse. That's also next to if, you know, depending on the age of our partner, if our if our partner is in a similar age group, our partner's having that kind of age, whether it's a woman or a man, it's also aging and things aren't working the same and they're feeling different about themselves. So if we're not supported about our sexuality in our 40 and younger, we are definitely not supported um, in our sexuality 40 on up. Mm-hmm. So why is it uh, why is sensuality and pleasure important in the relationship? Mm. So sensuality for me, it was really a game changer in me understanding that sexuality was something that was really important to understand. And it took me a bit to understand the difference. I'm so glad you asked that question because a lot of people interchange the two and they're very, they're different. In my view, sensuality is an aspect of holistic sexuality. And it's one of the best places to begin because if you're in if you are in touch with your senses, even just one of them, you have to be present in order to experience that so that the joy you hear with a song that you love, you are in the moment. When you um, smell a flower that is just incredible to you, when you're in that moment, you are in touch with the essence of who you are. When you're present-minded, you are really grounded in that, even if it's a nanosecond. When you are in touch with who you are, your essence, then you are able to connect with somebody authentically, assuming that they're doing the same. So sensuality allows you to be very, um, very uh, micro in the connection, as well as being very macro. So macro in the essence connection possibility and micro in the joyfulness that you can have in those senses. And not every, not everybody has the same access to all of our senses, but we have preferences. And I love it. I have a, a part of a course that I do called Revealed. Sensuality is the first module that we go through. And I love asking people, like we go through every single sense and we ask like, what turns you on? What turns you off? What gets you excited? What things do you like to see? We, and I, I ask about 30 questions with, within each of our senses. And it's interesting. People will often have a grieving of, you know, I've I've never been asked this or I don't know what I like and what I don't like. But quickly that grieving will move to excitement. Mm-hmm. And it's a place because to me, I think desire and I think our sexuality is really stoked by our our vibrancy. And vibrancy can get lost as uh, as we go through life and as life gets harder and we, we hit through those kind of places. Vibrancy is a catalyst to bring back that feeling, um, like you're talking about, the spark, pursuing the spark. And I think sensuality um, is a way to pursue your spark as well. Yeah, that's why I love when you when I read about you bring the sexy back or the sexy spark back. I'm like, this is perfect for our podcast. <laughs> yes. And, you know, these are these are good things to talk about because I feel and I know that many women don't talk about what they may want. And you see, of course, in the sexier movies, uh, not I'm not talking porn, but just the sexier movies where the guy's like, so what do you want? Mm-hmm. And, and you can feel the woman freezing on the other end going, I have no idea. I don't know. What what should I do? What shouldn't I do? Or what should I want? Does it come 
as a, or would you find out about this? Or a good way to find out about this is to explore your own body, maybe through self-touch and masturbation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many benefits to self-pleasure. And I call it self-pleasure instead of masturbation. Um, but there's so many benefits to it. Uh, and one of which is to know yourself and to not think that, uh, like, once you, like, let's say you just know you love this one move and you love this one thing, um, that that's not going to change. And so, so often in our aging process, we start looking at our body as breaking or being broken. And I like to look at it more as, as changing. And yes, there's a loss to that, but there's also a gain to it as well. And so if you have the belief that you are going to always be a student of who you are, and that means your mind and your soul and your body, then let's get curious about how our body is changing and where has our pleasure changed to. And so some of that pleasure is more accessible as we age. Uh, some of it may not be, but it's it's not that we are losing everything and it is gone forever. We can find different ways and self-pleasure is one of those. Um, and it can be, you can examine that through with your hand or with toys. There's so many things um, that we can change. So I was a part of a, a part of this community called Body Sex that is, is really focused on um on self-pleasure and understanding yourself and having very frank conversations about how people self-pleasure. And it was fascinating to me that at this point, and this is different, this is still, we're even talking like even just 10 years ago, that there were so many even techniques and positions of self-pleasure that had never occurred to me that I could try or that could be a part of. And so it's, I find it also, self-pleasure, if we're going to talk about sexuality being difficult to talk about, Self-pleasure is the almost the highest on the list of what people have a hard time saying. So if I was to say, so I guess, how, how, what is your position when you self-pleasure? That to most people would be mortifying to say, oh, I, 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 I go on my belly and I do it this way or, and someone else is like, on your belly? How in the, how in the world do you do this on your belly? Someone else is like, I hang from a door, hang from a door. How do you even do that? Or I use a jacuzzi jet. It's, I wish we could share more easily details of how we have found pleasure on our bodies. Um, But that does seem to be a place that's difficult and that you want to find those trusted few. Um, But gratefully, we are in an era that there's a lot of this is more at our disposal that we can read articles or books that give us those kinds of details. Um, and, uh, and I hope we can translate that to our friendships and to the trusted people in our life that we can share that. I, I also love, I was telling this earlier, like when, the, when a uh, client will transition to a different comfort level in talking about self-pleasure, I, I will love it when a client will say, this feels so weird to say, Dr. Juliana, but I thought about you when I, not, not fantasized about me, but like, I thought you'd be so proud of me that I was talking to my friend about self-pleasure. And, uh, and it is true. It's, it's, it's a healthy thing to own. I want to have pleasure in my body. And it's a healthy thing to ask somebody else, um, so what's working for you? How We can learn so much more from each other, and we shouldn't feel so ashamed that our body can feel pleasure and that we want to feel pleasure with it. Yeah. You know, with that, what you said, the first thing that came to mind is the Kama Sutra. Mm-hmm. That's what people are like, oh, I can't do all these poses. And should I do these poses? This is kind of weird. I almost self-expose myself with doing something not routine. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And so we, we don't have to go, you don't have to go out and buy the Kama Sutra now, but you definitely can reach out to Dr. Juliana and uh, get some ideas and tips and maybe take one of her courses if you need help with this. Mm-hmm. So, so as we're thinking, okay, so now the kids are moved out. We are now by ourselves. We can romp around the house all we want, but we may have not had sex for years because of just being tired, kids, stress, who knows, work, whatever it is, but it just never happened at all the, the physical, mental, uh, medical problems that come with this. Where do you start to reconnect if you have that that physical, the sexual, like I'm talking intercourse, if you have not had intercourse and you're like, okay, I'm like, I'm committed, I'm gonna go back there. How, how do you, <laughs> yes, laughing, I'm like, you got to watch our video. We are awesome. <laughs> you have to see Dr. Juliana's background. She's all little sexy kisses on her wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what do you do? You know, again, like it, it's never just one thing. Um, but I, I like to go at it as a, um, we want to have the attitude of curiosity. And that if you have an attitude of curiosity, then nothing is nothing's a mistake. Nothing is really off limits. And a no is just as wonderful as a yes. And when you can have that attitude looking at exploring who you are now and if you're partnered, who you two are together, then it loosens up some of the rules. Because that's part of the problem, too, is that we have so many rules and shoulds to it. That when you're at this phase in life, let's let's be done with that, and let let's let's be free and 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 have the the joyfulness of aging. That we get to be, we get to kind of make our own rules and have our own agency as to what this is. And and so I like working with people first on um, loosening up expectations and having it to go like like a lot of people like they just kind of come at it as like it has to go like this or it should be I'm running around naked now that the kids are around but I really don't want to do that I think that's kind of gross or weird or I don't feel good about so you don't have to run around naked that everyone gets to have their own definition of what their sexuality is at any point in their life but particularly um, when you're at that phase so and that can be self-imposed on even more than any, any, anything else that we self-impose these rules on ourselves then the next thing is is sometimes it's like okay we, we got the attitude right but we don't even know where to what are our options like it's been so long I don't even know how this works um, and looking at different so going back to our senses my favorite sense to work with people um, it, at first is touch and and I teach there's four different kinds of touch it comes from tantra it's a very basic way of looking at it but it's it's what kind of touch do you like on your skin to receive what kind of touch do you like to give to somebody else? And are those four, do you have different preferences depending on where it is on your body? And when you go, this is kind of tied into another kind of sex therapy technique called sensate therapy that you're looking at communicating with each other through touch and through connection in that way. Because it can be very intimate to sit with somebody and massage each other's hands, knowing that there's nothing else on the table, no sex, you know, penetrative sex on the table, but you haven't really spoken and looked at each other like this alone in a quiet house in a very long time. And all of a sudden, um, two minutes feels like 30. 
and then you feel bad and you feel disconnected and it feels awful. So you have to have support in that process of, of how do you kind of go back to that? So I, I like sensate therapy and I like touch as a way to reconnect. And then I also like doing this exercise that I didn't come up with. Um, it's just been out there for many, many years. And it's the four, I call it the four quadrant exercise. And it's very easy to do. You can look on my website. I have it, I have it on there for free, but you can do it yourself. You just take a piece of paper and make four quadrants or vertical and a horizontal line. And the four quadrants are things that I have done sexually that I would do again. Things that I've done, like sex acts that I've done that I, I don't think I want to try again. Sex acts that I haven't tried that I'm interested in trying, or at least I think I am. And sex acts that I haven't tried that I think are pretty much off the table. And then you, so you have these four quadrants and then you have a whole list. And I have a list that you can start with on, on my website or you can Google sex acts. Um, although, you know, if you're afraid of that, it could, it could open Pandora's box if you're not used to it. Um, or you can just come up with sex acts yourself, but they need to be everything from uh, like having someone kiss your hand. So that feels like kind of benign to uh, as wild as you can think of. Uh, and you want to have a list of at least 50 sex acts. And uh, because you want to have at least 10 in each of the categories. And then you start doing it. You start deciding and it's, you don't hold yourself to it forever. It's how that day, how you're feeling about this. And you do it separate. If you're partnered, you do it alone. You don't do it with each other. And then you get back with each other and you start sharing it in an atmosphere of safety and non-judgment. And it's fascinating. It's also, it's a really lovely exercise. I love watching couples go through it because they'll be surprised how many things that they both want to do that they haven't been doing. Like you've been, we could have been doing this all along. Um, or you don't want to do this anymore either. And we both, I only did it because I thought you liked it. And your partner's like, I, no, I'd rather stop too. And it's a way to start getting really honest with yourself and with each other. And, and the places where you find that you want to, where I often like to them to start is the quadrant where you haven't tried it, but you think you want to try it are some of the best places to have that vibrancy come again, especially if you have the attitude of, of curiosity. That if you try it, like, you know, sex is weird. It's just a weird, messy kind of thing in general. It's beautiful and wonderful when it, when everything's working right. But even then, like all the liquids and all the things that are in the sounds, it's just an odd experience. <laughs> um and so we want to look at it like that too. Like let's 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 have a lightness about trying this again. Let's let's give ourselves grace that it's going to be clunky and that's not a failure. It, we're trying and we're trying to connect. And and let's look at this as pleasure. What is our pleasure journey with each other instead of it having to be this pressure and orgasm? Yeah, this is a good this is a good like let's take a breath. Yeah, I think many women feel pressured to have an orgasm. And when I did some more research for our episode, I came across many articles or people that have been interviewed and they say, well, men, I fake my orgasm because I think I should have one. Or the next person says, I never had one. I don't even know what that feels like. The next person said, um, my husband is done and I'm way from being done. Uh, so there's like all these, these things that we don't know about our bodies and, and don't know. Like I said, the one person like, I have no idea what an orgasm feels like. 
Mm-hmm. So how can you communicate with your partner when you don't know what that feels like or where do you even find how to to get it? And I, I compared on a very basic level with Pilates. When my Pilates clients come in, I say, okay, navel to spine. And they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> can you feel your core engaging? And can you feel that bowl that you're creating? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know they have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good example. That's exactly that. That is exactly, and and, it, and it's because if you don't have um, a body mind connection, or you don't know how to even begin that, then it, you're, it's a different language right. that you're being asked to spoke, and it feels like everyone else has the secret but you. And that feels, and then that adds to your original question, which is the shame and how hard it is to talk about. And so if you don't even have the verbiage to describe what you're speaking of, like, like when you're doing the, 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 the bullock, like, I don't, I don't, I, maybe, maybe I'm feeling it. I'm trying. And, uh, and that is the same with orgasm and pleasure. Um, and especially for women too. And there's so much pressure for women to perform, um, to please, even with the verbiage of like, so, like some, uh, they're in their heterosexually partner, like I'm going to make her come, I'm going to make her, um, have an orgasm and, no, that's not the way we talk about that now. That's not going to help anything. It's um, it's in some ways the female orgasm has been characterized as a performance review for a man, and uh, that is a shame that that has happened over the years. And we're all trying to deconstruct that. Um, and I, I actually even work with women on how how to say. Um, what do you do when you haven't, if you want to have orgasm and your partner's already orgasmed or, or whatever they're doing isn't working, how, what do you say at those times? How do you have those kind of awkward conversations that is still empowering for yourself um, and getting what your needs are, but without um, shaming or creating a, a fight um, or disagreement within sexual connection? I think those are pretty lonely arguments when an argument begins during sexual connection and it happens quite a bit for us, like people getting frustrated with each other. Yeah. And that's, that brings me back to like, how do you build a meaningful relationship around this? When, when uh, you have, and let's tie that in a little bit, when you have different desires, the one person is horny all the time and the other person occasionally is like lukewarm. Mm-hmm. How do you build bridges for that? Mm-hmm. It's difficult, and I think it's some. Uh, it's a very hopeless place for a lot of people when there's a desired mismatch, and um, and and particularly if it's um, well, it's actually any gender that I've seen that they feel when, when you're the one that has the the lower quote lower amount of desire, then you're often looked at as the problem, and uh, you're with you are you are the reason why the other person has their pleasure and their sexual life withheld from them. And that's, then that creates lots of resentment outside of se- sexual connection as well. So what do you do? It's, um, it's, it's, you know, some of, some of the answers are, are, are similar because it's never just a one pronged thing. And you, you want to first 
deconstruct what it means to have a relationship with desire. So kind of like with masturbation, I don't use that word. I don't use the word libido. I like to use the word desire. And I have a feeling you do too. Um, I uh, We have to just learn it. We have to relearn what desire means. And we have to, like, you know, most of us were given horrible sex education growing up. And if you're given any, I've never come across anybody who is 30 on up who had uh, the word libido desire mentioned at all. And so we weren't prepared uh, prepared for um, our our desire to change ever in our lifespan or in relationships. So again, we look at it, there's a right and there's a wrong in our sexuality and a right and a wrong in our desire in this relationship. So we have to release the pressure of it because you're never going to change desire by forcing it ever. And even like when I, when I work with some, some, uh, some women who are exhausted, you have to figure out how to make sex a better option than sleeping. And so you're wanting to have sexual connection that that you know is going to be worth the loss of sleep for it. And that could be a hard sell if someone isn't good in bed, if they don't have techniques that are good that you've kind of given up on, but you're committed to them, or they want different kinds of sex than you do. Uh, and so you have to start really having some honest discussions about what do you want and what do you need and what works and what doesn't. And all of that's combined with self-pleasure. It's with having agency. It is having good communication and really knowing yourself. You, it, it's, a, it's a lonely place when you uh, often, uh, when you have inauthenticity in your sexual connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of people say, I've been faking it for so long. I have no idea how to start telling, like, but I figured out how to have an orgasm on my own, but now I don't know how to tell him how to do it. Like, or like my real orgasm really sounds different than the one I've been faking it. So how do I, how do I transition, you know, through that? And, um, and I, and I think it's, it's, it's a risk and it's a real vulnerability to be honest about who you are as a sexual being. Um, and not all relationships have created a foundation for that, um, but truly begins with yourself, too. Some, some of the hardest conversations are being honest with yourself mm-hmm. about what you need and what you want and what your yeses and what your no's are. Yeah, it's, we always think everything starts with a why. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in, in your business, in my business, it's all the why. And that's where most people, women, don't want to look they don't want to reveal themselves and they want to dig deep because there's so much hurt, resentment and emotions there that they may not want to face. And I would say, you know, I, I talk about them. It includes me, too. I sometimes go, Whoop, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to touch this with a pole until I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that as well? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When we talk sex, the first thing that comes to mind is intercourse, I would say in 90% of the people, but there's also other th- like what you call uh, the gateway to more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Gateway to more has nothing to do with intercourse. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and there, those are forgotten parts of, of, of our sexuality um, and, and pleasure pathways uh, as well. And I, um, and it's interesting too, like when we dig, like when I talk to people um, about like oral sex, like, so what do you like and what do you not like about it? 
again, like talking about like self-pleasure, oral sex seems to be something that also has a different set of, of like, like the, I'm not supposed to talk about this. And that the words that we use to describe it also feel icky or impolite or um, they don't want to admit that they've done this or um, or they have felt that's not what like good girls do or that's not um, what, uh, you know, you should do at this certain age or, or, or whatever. And so we just have to examine what are those shoulds, what are those messages? And I like doing this exercise. Um, it's similar to like decluttering a closet, but we declutter our sexual messages and oral sex and and the other the other sex acts outside of penetration um, are often we have lots of messages that we were given about those things. So we have to we have to decide do I do I do I think this is true or not? And one of the things that can I think can be misunderstood uh, when the work that I do is that I my belief system is not that everybody should do everything and that if you do everything, that that means that you are sexually free and have sexual agency. I don't think that at all. I think it is powerful to say this is not a sex act that I'm interested in doing right now. You, That is a beautiful and um and an absolute place that you get to be in. And that's why it's agency. You get to decide your yeses and nos. It can be tricky if your yeses and nos are different when you're partnered, um, or if your yeses or nos feel like they're different than the norm. But I can tell you, I have a lot of private, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of private conversations in my work, and I get to hear a lot of people's secrets and a lot of people's desires. And there's not a lot that's not normal at this point. <laughs> I hear I hear a lot. Uh, so if you think what you're interested in doing, what you're doing is different than most people, you're probably not doing anything that's different in that way. Frankly, uh, people just don't share. Uh, they don't have a lot of safe places to share too. Uh, but also asking, like I, I think too, like it's. I love teaching couples um, how to have an evening of sexual connection that you know going into it is not going to be about penetrative sex. Um, those can be some of the most fulfilling um, exchanges of intimacy that you have. Um, and also, if, uh, for instance, if you, you know, if you're partnered uh, with somebody that uh, has a penis and, and it's not working how it typically would, there's, there's sex toys that you can use, or there's other ways that you c- can find pleasure without that kind of performance too, because men have a, have a pressure to perform just as much as women do. It's just different. And it's just socialized differently too. And I have a lot of men that I work with also. And, and I, I think that they are under, they are underserved just as much as women are about having a safe space to talk about sex. So that's the other thing. If you're partnered with a man, don't underestimate his interests in learning how to do things differently and wanting to have a space to say yes and no also to sex acts as well. There you go, giving each other the permission to speak freely Mm -hmm. and get away from those norms, like you said. Because then again, when you think about uh, Viagra, the, the commercials we see or the the funny scenes in movies mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure have nothing to do with what you're seeing or hearing with your clients other than what that slapstick was or that movie thing over there. Yes. So, mm-hmm. And I know that these can be difficult um, conversations, but also I'm curious of what do you think the benefits are of having a, a healthy, sparkly sex life inside and outside the bedroom? Yes, I love this question. 
So it's, I have a little bit of a runway to get to the answer to it. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. I, I never understood growing up, um, and I'll say that up until like, I'll say growing up until my third, like until I was like in my, in my thirties, it's like, like what was the deal with sex? Meaning, you know, is I, I didn't understand it to be that it could be something bigger than just a sex act or bigger than just an orgasm. And, and I'm not abnormal. There's a lot of people that that's all we're taught that, what it is, but I just kept feeling that there was something more to it. And again, like I started off as a kindergarten teacher. It's, I'm such an unlikely person to have ended where I am in, in my career, except for I couldn't get away from the fact that how people showed up as their sexual self to somebody else was unique. And that if you had a discomfort with who you are and you had to use alcohol in order to show up sexually or to feel free, but you didn't have to do that in other hard and awkward situations. Why was sex always just so different? So I started asking questions and I, and I, and then ultimately became part of my education. I started doing it in my research and I, I, I never was afraid to ask people these questions. And I started getting a pretty clear picture that sexuality is the final frontier of self-development. It's the final place. Like we, we do a lot of, lot of, there's a lot of pathways to figure out who we are. And a lot of times that's what people believe it is like our human mission is to figure out who we are. But I also think that's coupled with we humans just want to connect. We are wired to connect with other people. And if you put the two together, if you put sexual, your sexual self and connection together, and that can be truly within sex acts, but it also can be soul to soul. That's when it all came together for me, which is it's a skill to learn the truth of who you are, to really understand the essence of who you are. That's a skill. It's a skill also to learn this lifelong, that you once you know yourself, it doesn't stop because we don't stop evolving and changing in, in the essence of who we are. We may have some constants in, in our essence, but it's still changing depending on what happens in our life and how we interpret what happens in our life. So we have to keep getting to know that, like our sexuality, our essence and our sexuality are fluid. So we have to keep figuring out who that is. So as you figure out who you are as a sexual being, you're also figuring out who you are as, as a human in general. And as you're doing this self-discovery, that means you get to authentically show up to people and connect in a way that you feel seen and heard and valued. And when you feel those things, especially when you feel all three from somebody, which is what you want in a partnership is to feel like you are seen and understood and that they really care and think you're worthy and want you. When you get that all three, whoa, is that magical and fabulous and hard to maintain and important to maintain that then there's this synergy of that's the kind of relationships you want to have. And it's difficult to show up in the, in the truth of who we are sexually. It's difficult to show up to a sexual connection with somebody authentically. But when you do, those are the kind of sexual connections that are transcendent. Those are, and sometimes that's orgasmic also, but sometimes it's not. It's this beautiful exchange that we can have, whether it's a one night stand or your love partner of 40 years. Um, and when we share ourselves authentically, and sexually with somebody, um, it's an expression of our essence. It's an expression of us. And that's why I think it's really important. And that's why I think it's important for us to, um, to take the time to, to see that 
our sexuality is more than the sex that we're having. And it's important to know who that is. And when I decided I had like 10 pillars of sexuality, holistic sexuality that I came up with uh, through the work of just putting all the kind of theories together, I, I realized it was it was also us. It, was, it wasn't just sexuality. It was who we are in general. And that, that saying what happens inside the bedroom and outside the bedroom is just so much deeper than, than the bumper sticker that it sounds like. And so who we show up as and how we show up in our sexuality um, means we do that inside and outside of sexual connection. And that's pivotal. And sex is difficult. You know, if we talked about it, it's a hard thing to talk about. So if you can figure out who you are in a topic that has so much shame and difficulty, then you can, you can find that skill in other places too. Yeah, I agree. You know, when you talked about this connection, whether, you know, it's a one night stand or like, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro, it could be that your partner has died, that you got a divorce. I think all the things we've talked about uh, are exactly what you could do or explore with a new partner or by yourself. I mean, you don't need anybody to to have fun, as I like to call it, sexually. You can just be having a party by yourself and it's great. Um, and sometimes it's easier because then you don't have to see somebody else or you can get it all right and you don't have to teach anybody a yes. You have to tell them what, what you want, how you just do it. You go right at it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a big yes. I'm all yes for that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But one of the things that came to mind when you just spoke was that uh, I'm an Argentine tango dancer and this is how I met my husband. And in tango, people are looking for the three or four minute romance. Mm -hmm. A song is three to four minutes long. And when you dance with a partner and you have that emotional connection during those three or four minutes, mm -hmm. it's mind blowing. And we've been dancing for a long time. And I've had this once with my husband after a long, long time of dancing together, but I had it at a dance where we just danced with whoever we were dancing and I danced with this guy and it was unfreaking believable. Mm. And all we did is we moved, we breathed, we didn't even look at each other. Mm. It was incredible. So the three or four minute romance in Argentine tango is something that many tango dancers are looking for. This is their drive to go dancing, not just, oh, I got exercise and I met my friends. It's that little bit of extra. Mm -hmm. and many people don't think about when it comes to dance or sexuality. That, that is so beautiful. That is exactly what I'm talking about with this too. Because, because there has to be truth in that exchange. And there has to be willingness to share and to accept. And that that just the energy flow that was happening. I mean, I could feel it the way you're describing it. Ooh, it was yeah. really like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When the song ended, you were just looking at each other and we said, thank you. And we stepped away from each other. It was like a daze. Yes. It was incredible. Mm, that's great. So with that said, what would you tell our listener as uh maybe not as a homework, but final words about it's Valentine's Day this week and we're here and hopefully everybody's listening to this. Um, what would you tell them? Mm, I would say find a place that is between a nudge and a shove. 
of something that you have wanted to try, something that you've wanted to do differently, something that makes you a little bit nervous, but not uh, uh, not afraid, um, something that can feel like a spark and some vibrancy and go for it. Try it, try it with yourself. If your partner, try it with your partner and um, and release yourself from the expectations of what it is that you think you're going to feel from it so that it has room to have a life of its own. And that seems to me like the example that you gave is that you go in with 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 not this huge tie to the expectation of what it's going to be. And sometimes those surprises are the most transcendent moments. And look for them outside of the expected way that we often look at what should be happening on Valentine's Day or Valentine's Week or, or whatever. Um, and uh, and I have found that vibrancy and spark is just as contagious and um, as some of the negative things in our life. So we should really be spending more time on the, on the positive, on those little small blissful places in our life, whether it's our body pleasure, our mind pleasure, or our soul pleasure. Yeah. So how can people reach out and connect with you, Juliana? Uh, so I'm on all social media platforms as Dr. Juliana Hauser. Um, my website is Dr. Dash Juliana with one N. And uh, and then my email is Dr. Juliana Hauser at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, we're really responsive, typically, unless I'm really busy. And, <laughs> um, and I love hearing from people. And I love connecting and I work with people one-on-one -on -one and work with couples um, in my private practice with people all over the world. And I do everything virtually and have for a, for a very long time. And then uh, I have courses where um, people can take courses from me. And I have this course revealed that I even have facilitators um, that were in eight, almost 11 countries now uh, and spoken in many different languages. And you also... Um I'm gender open. It's yeah. uh, it's like it, whatever gender you are or identify with, this is the place to go to get answers when it comes to sexuality. That's right. Yep. I work with all genders, all orientations, uh, all ages. Yeah. Yes. An inclusive community. I love that a lot. So Juliana, so glad you came on the show and I appreciate all the wisdom you shared and all the sexy sparks you shared. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being brave to, to bring this topic onto your podcast. Oh, I appreciate you. So everybody who is listening, pass on this episode to your friends, to your family, anybody else you think they need to hear this, because many of us need to hear this. And you please reach out to us on social media. You know, I'm at Heike Yates on, on Instagram, Heike Yates Pursue Your Spark on Facebook. And that's just like Dr. Juliana. I'm everywhere under Heike Yates. We want to have a conversation. This is not just Juliana and I have a conversation and she teaches you about what to do in and outside the bedroom. But we want to know your questions. We want to connect, reach out to us. And if you don't like to speak on social, email us and ask the questions that you may be too embarrassed to ask. But follow us, connect with us, and we hope to hear from you. And uh, with that, I think both of us, we can only say happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Bye.